You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus who bounces off of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35-yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, NASA Chobie. Welcome into another edition of Hawk Talk, getting you ready for the Seahawks and Lions this weekend as the Seahawks try to get over that week one loss to the Rams. I'm NASA Chobie. I'm here with my guy, Michael Bumpus. And before we get into the Lions, get on tap, I got a little injury update. Some roster moves going down with the Seahawks on Wednesday. Unfortunately, guard or tackle Abraham Lucas is going to IR, meaning he's not eligible to return for at least another four games. And the Seahawks were active, adding some depth to the roster at tackle, signing a pair of undrafted rookies to the 53-man roster. Tackle Roquan O'Neal signed off Tampa Bay's practice squad, while McClendon and Curtis signed off Las Vegas practice squad. O'Neal went undrafted out of UCLA, starting 13 games at left tackle last season. And Curtis played out of Tennessee Chattanooga, starting 38 games in his college career. Also, earlier this week, the Seahawks signed veteran Jason Peters. You remember him from the Cowboys and most notably the Eagles and Bills, as well as Greg Island to their practice squad Tuesday before Curtis and O'Neal. So a little update there for everybody. Not what you're looking for from a health perspective, but the Seahawks will make it work, adding some depth to that offensive line. Let's get back into the Lions. What's on tap? What's on tap? But, man, these Lions are for real. Yeah. They're 1-0. Beat the Chiefs opening week. They're celebrating their Super Bowl trophy bump. What have you seen from uh, this Lions team so far this year? Hey, like you said, they're for real, and uh, they're not sneaking up on anybody, man. They finished winning eight of their last ten games last season and got a victory at Lambeau Field. That helped us out, so thank you, Lions. We appreciate your contributions Mm -hmm. to the Seattle Seahawks. Got us into the playoffs, and early in the season – we played them and we saw the potential of this team. And as the season unfolded, you're thinking, man, these guys are for real, man. Jared Goff is over there doing this thing. The run game was good. That changed a little bit. But I always go back to when people were laughing at Dan Campbell, mm. saying, like, hey, we're going to be biting at the kneecaps. And they just showed that part of the conference. They didn't, uh, of the, uh, the conference, they didn't show the whole thing. There was a lot more substance behind what he was saying. But you know how they do in the media, they're going to isolate some things and um, and then highlight that. But they came out swinging. And you mentioned they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs were in celebration mode. We just won a Super Bowl last year. Let's have good times. Thursday night football. And the Lions came in and said, nah, we good on that. We're going to go ahead and get this W and move along. I was impressed. Even if the Chiefs did not have Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, I don't care about none of that. You're the defending champions. And the Detroit Lions say, y'all better take us serious. Yeah, I don't care where it is. I mean, the Seahawks learned that week one. The Bengals learned that. Everyone learned that. It's the National Football League. Anyone can win on any given Sunday. So to go to that place at Arrowhead and win in that environment, it's super impressive. I mean, the game, you know, did Travis Kelsey not be in there hurt the Chiefs? Of course it did. I yeah, mean, of he's course. one of the best tight ends in the game. But they still had Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the game. They did their thing. And uh, looking at this head-to-head bump, man, it's only been one week, right? Mm-hmm. So we talk about this every year. You can't really – dive into the head-to-head until at least maybe three or four games to really have a, a sample size. 
But for the case of this, we're going to do it anyway. The Lions, after one week, they're ranked number seventh on offense, 368 yards, ninth in uh, rush offense at 118 yards a game, sixth in pass offense, 250 yards, and tied for 13th at 21. On the flip side, not looking good, Bump Seahawks, 30th after their game against the Rams. Uh, an offense only 180 yards, 22nd with rush offense, 29th pass offense, and 27th with points per game at 13. So obviously it's been one week, two different results. Lions won their game, the Seahawks did not win their game, didn't run a lot of plays right. in the second half, so not going to look good here. But this is kind of like batting average in baseball, right, at the beginning of the season where you can go 0 for 6, but then if you go 4 for 4, all of a sudden you're batting 400. So right. I'm hoping to see that from the Seahawks offensive numbers after this week. Yeah, I am. When you look at the just the defense, right? Look at total defense number 30 when it comes to the Seahawks. It gave up 426 yards that game. I'm not even going to say per game. I'm going to say that Correct. game <laughs> last week, right? Uh, according to last week, I like this number, 13th when it comes to the rush defense. Only gave up 92 yards on 40 carries. Let's remind people that. Then pass defense, 31st, not good. 334, Matthew Stafford had a day. We, we remember that. And then gave up 30 points. That puts him at 26. You look at the defense for the Detroit Lions, gave up 316 yards, is 21st in the league. They were good against the run as well. 12th in the league, gave up 90 last week. Gave up 226 yards, is 24th and 20 points. That is 14th. Um, they were only sacked one time. Jared Goff was only sacked 23 times last year, only sacked one time in last game, so they're keeping up that trend. Geno was sacked two times. When it comes to penalties, the Detroit Lions were a bit cleaner than the Seahawks. Hawks later on in the game kind of fell apart a little bit. They had seven penalties. Uh, Detroit Lions had four. So, look, you look at these numbers, you take it for what it is. I don't think we definitively know who each team is. We know what they can be. We know what they're trying to be. So I look at these numbers and I say, all right, you can't ignore them. It's truth. But this is a long season. We're only one game in. Yeah, you know, one thing that I like about the Seahawks is no turnovers. So if we're looking at more yes. positive from week one, they didn't turn the ball over. You mentioned penalties. They're going to clean that up. So – Definitely love that. And on the other side, though, the Lions also, they only turn the ball over once. And then, uh, excuse me, they have one turnover. And then their turnover differential is at zero. So it'll be interesting to see follow that stat as things move on. But it's one game, as you said, hoping the Seahawks can drastically improve all their numbers because Please. we know the, the potential of this football team, and that wasn't it last Sunday. But these two teams have played recently, as recently as last year. So let's know the history. No. Your history. Seahawks lead the all-time series 11-5. They're 1-0 in the postseason. The Seahawks have also won seven of their last eight. Last year, Bob, man, that was a shootout. Yeah. Beating them. When I'm going back through the box score, I'm like, dang. I, I knew it was a shootout, but looking at some of these numbers, wild. They beat the Lions 48-45. to Didn't feature a ton of defense with the exception of Reek Woolen getting a pick six off of Jared Goff. Both teams combined for 1,075 yards of total offense. Man. Over 1,000 <laughs> yards, man. 555 from the Seahawks, 520 from the Lions. Geno Smith had a day throwing for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Rashad Penny ran for 151 yards on 17 carries, including probably the game-sealing touchdown, 41 yards. Metcalf went off for 149 yards on seven receptions. And then on the other side, Jared Goff probably had one of his guest game, games as a pro, going 26 for 39, 378 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Jamal Williams also ran for 108 yards. And, man, T.J. Hawkinson, before he got traded to the Vikings, had eight receptions for 179 yards and two touchdowns. Bump, who would have thought that that game was going to decide the playoffs for those two teams? <laughs> I did Man, that game 
was entertaining if you didn't have a rooting entrance right. or interest, right? Because you look at the the numbers that are being put up. Everyone loves good offense. You got both of that. And that was, I remember that game because Tariq Woolen undercut a pass across the middle and took that thing to the house. That was one of the times where I'm like, oh, no, we might be on to something here with this Tariq Woolen kid. But, yeah, man, we all love offense. We got a lot of offense there. Um, I, I hope that we see some of the same numbers, but for the Seahawks this week, not for those dang lines. Yeah, I would love to see 48 again. Uh, I would love to see no fours, no threes. I, keep them in the 20s. I'd like to see that. Please. We'll, we'll, I like that. We'll see. We'll see. But let's check in on the rest of the NFC West. What's the word? Where my soldiers at? West side. Where my soldiers at? West side. And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West on Hawk Talk? All right, man. We got some action in the West right now. The Rams sitting up top with the 49ers. They're both 1-0. We know the Hawks lost and the Arizona Cardinals lost as well. But let's go to Pittsburgh, man. Those 49ers. And we learned some week one. They're still good. All right, I know it's week one. I know the numbers are what they are. But if you watch that game, you know that the Niners are still good. They jumped out to a 20-0 lead and won 30-7. The main thing we want to see, right, is Brock Purdy, that guy. We saw him for nine games last year. He was in the NFC Championship game. He gets hurt. What is he going to do? He went 19 of 29 for 220 yards and two touchdowns. And then Christian McCaffrey, you know that he's going to touch the rock, all right? And he had 152 yards on 22 carries and one touchdown. And Brandon Ayuk, man, like Debo gets a lot of love and he should get a lot of love, but Brandon Ayuk is the best receiver on the scene. We're talking about routes. We're talking about catching the football out the air. He's the best receiver. Debo and Christian McCaffrey might be the most um, gifted when it comes to just being a football player. But Brandon, you balled out, man. He had 129 yards and two touchdowns. And then this defense, the kid out of USC, Drake Jackson, had himself a year, man. The Niners had five sacks, but three of them came from this young man, Drake Jackson. Uh, they picked off Kenny Pickett twice, two glove. Kenny Pickett <laughs> picked him off twice, still had 239 yards of offense. There were five for 15 on third downs. We learned, I mean, we just got reassured that the Niners are, are going to be good this year and, and all as well. So that was a – I expected this game to end up like that, and I expected some of these numbers. Brandon Ayuk, a surprise, but not really a surprise, but Drake Jackson, man. Um, I, I knew when he got drafted he could do something. Look good all, all the way around, Ness. Well, the scary part is Drake Jackson, right? So if, if you add him to a ready potent defense and the Boses of the world and Fred Warner running around, and it they're scary. I mean, it is what it is. We know their yeah. roster has been one of the best in the league, and it, and it has been for a little while now. But they're adding a couple other tools. And, and Brock Purdy seemed to kind of answer the bell. We'll see. Again, I'm still going to wait, as uh, the great Dennis Green would say, before I crown anybody. I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't know. He looked he looked good. His, all How I, many games you got to see? He's nine in. He's uh, ten in now. He's ten in. How many more do you need to believe? Give me till October, dog. Give me till October, October? bump, and then maybe. And then okay. maybe I'll, I'll be right. bought in. But he's. we'll see. We didn't learn much there that the Niners are still good. Elsewhere in the division, um, things did not go as well for the Cardinals and new head coach Jonathan Gannon. This was just kind of a start of a new era for both organizations. Cardinals obviously have a new coach with Gannon and Commanders with a completely new ownership group. And the Cardinals, obviously, they're out. Colin Murray's on the pup list, recovering from that ACL tear. Who knows when he'll be back. And the Commanders, they decided to go in this year with Sam Howell at quarterback uh, after things didn't work out with Carson Wentz last year. And 
you know, honestly, I'll give the Cardinals credit because this game could have been a lot worse. I don't know how yep. good the Cardinals are going to be. I feel like they actually did compete and stayed in the game. After lying a touchdown on the first game, uh, first second drive of the game, the Cardinals responded with 13 straight points, went into halftime with a 13-10 lead. Unfortunately, it was all commanders in the fourth quarter as they scored the game's remaining 10 points. Not a lot of offense in that game. Joshua Dobbs got the start for the Cardinals. He went 21 of 30 for 132 yards. No touchdowns and fumbled twice, so definitely not the start you're looking for at quarterback. James Conner, 62 yards and 14 carries. I'm not really sure how their season's going to play out, especially without Kyler Murray. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to score a lot of points, but we'll see, man. Maybe we'll get some explosives. Pew. I got a theory for pew, you. Pew. I got a theory. Huh? Kyler Murray to the Jets. Whoa. Arizona Whoa. is not going to be good this year. You can use their first-round pick because they're going to be top five. Send him to the Jets. Arizona starts all over once again. That's just a theory of mine. Holy <laughs> smokes. Okay, bump. Okay, I got you with the hot take. We will revisit this tape <laughs> if Kyler Murray goes on to the Jets. Interesting enough, but, man, that I'm all messed up. I don't even know where I'm at in the rundown with that. Like, wow. Okay, okay, bump. Saving us with the hot takes. But let's flip the script back to the Detroit Lions and man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. We'll start at the quarterback position like we always do. Jared Goff going up against the Seahawks defense. And Goff is entering his third year with the Lions. And the first time, I think, with some real expectations because he's coming off one of the best seasons of his eight-year career. And I feel like, honestly, for the first time, people are kind of looking at Jared Goff as Jared Goff, the quarterback, not Jared mm-hmm. Goff, who executed Sean McVay's offense with the Rams. I feel like he never really got any credit. I might have been a, a culprit of that just because Sean McVay is so good at what he does offensively. But Jared Goff is playing well, man. I mean, last year, the Lions offense was explosive. They were fourth in the NFL in total yards, eighth best passing offense, fifth in points per game. Last year, he threw for over 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, and just seven interceptions, which is a big for him because he's turned the ball over quite a bit in his career, and seven matched his career low. He'd done that two other times, and he got back to the Pro Bowl for the first time since 2018. In the game against the Chiefs, he went 22 of 35 for 253 yards and a touchdown. And like I said, for the first time in career, I think the man is getting some respect. And it's going to be tough because they're very talented. We're going to get into some more matchup and some weapons he has offensively. But the Seahawks need to shore up a lot of things in the past game. They allowed 334 passing yards, 426 yards of total offense to the Rams. So they got their work cut out for him, and the Lions are going to make it tough for him. So I'm just hoping... Maybe we'll learn a little bit more about Jared Goff if he kind of deserves the praise he's been getting and if he's going to really show us who he is as a quarterback. Here's the thing about Jared Goff, man, that kind of gets me because you got to respect what he did last year. And if he's able to duplicate that, I look at him as a guy who can run an offense, but is he a guy who can win you a Super Bowl? Everyone needs the Kirk Cousins in the league. And I'm like, is Jared Goff a Kirk Cousins? Like, you respect Kirk Cousins. You know he can ball. But can he win the big game? Um, I hope eventually he does that, but I hope he doesn't do it before the Seahawks correct everything they got going <laughs> yes. and, get it, and get it done. But respect to Jared Goff, man. I love seeing dudes who were doubted come out and, and prove some of these guys wrong. But I, I need an off day from you uh, this week, Mr. Goff. All right, let's Please. talk about our quarterback, Geno Smith, against this Lions defense. It wasn't what we wanted from Geno Smith to start, right? No doubt about it. Last week, it was 16-26 to 26 at 61%. 
for 112 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, had a QB rating of 84. Now let's put some context with this. Last season, Geno's lowest passing game was 183 yards. He only had two games where his completion percentage was less than 62 yards, and he only had four games with a QB rating under 85. So safe to say, we're not going to see many performances. I don't anticipate seeing many performances from Geno like we saw last week. The offense only ran 46 plays um, against the Rams last year. They averaged 61 plays a game and only have three games under 50 plays. So obviously things just weren't clicking in that second half, but they run, what, 14 plays yep. overall. Uh, things just weren't clicking. So um, we need a bounce back from Geno, and there's nothing that he's shown me that's going to that makes me believe that he can't bounce back and get it done. It's all, all about adjustments. He's going to adjust. The office is going to adjust. They will be fine. The Lions help Pat Mahomes to just 20 points. So um, he's going to have his work cut out for him, but I think he can do it. No question about it. I mean, the numbers you said there, the fact that he only had two games where his completion percentage was under 62% all of last season, that kind of shows he has a body of work that he's shown he can do, and they're going to bounce back. I think the whole offense was kind of out of sync last week, and I, I have faith that they're definitely going to bounce back this weekend. Now, the Lions flipping it to their side in the running game. We're looking at David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs from Alabama against the Seahawks front seven. The Lions last year kind of had a two-headed monster with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, both in different spots, Philly and New Orleans, respectively. This year, David Montgomery, they got him from the Bears. He was a third-round draft pick in 2019 uh, after spending four years in Chicago. He rushed for over 3,000 yards in his career, does have one 1,000-yard season. And Montgomery got the bulk of the carries last week against the Chiefs, rushing for 74 yards on 21 carries and a touchdown. The other running back, obviously, like I mentioned, gets some burn, is Gibbs out of Alabama, 12th pick overall. He had seven carries for 42 yards and a long of 18. Listening to some stuff coming out of Detroit this week, it looks like they're going to try to get him a little bit more involved in the game. So they're going to keep running the ball. You know, I think the Seahawks did a great job stopping the run last week, but other teams are going to test them, right? They're going to make you prove that week in and week out that this is a, a, a real change and not a fluke. But the sh throw the Seahawks some love, man. They gave up 92 yards on 40 carries. That's 2.3 yards a carry against the Rams. But if you really look at those runs, the Seahawks held the Rams to three yards or less on 25 of those 40 carries. And mm. then 15 of those carries went for more than three yards, so that's not a lot. And then the Rams had one carry for more than 10 yards, so just one explosive, and 15 of those run plays were for no gain or negative yards. So that shows the Seahawks were getting stuff done on early downs. They weren't perfect, but I, I think they've taken that step. Now it's their chance to prove it on Sunday and making sure that Montgomery and Gibbs don't go running all over the place. Yeah, if if you're really digging into the numbers, you can say, well, they picked up so many first downs with runs. It was like third and one, third and two. Like yeah. You're an NFL team. You should be able to pick up one or two yards on any given play. So uh, for all the haters digging deep in the numbers, good job doing your homework. But <laughs> let's let's talk some football and realize that um, any NFL team should be able to pick up a yard or two. All right, let's talk about the Detroit Lions and their receivers. Man, Amon Ross St. Brown is one of my favorite receivers in the league. And Josh Reynolds has been in the league seven years, a quiet seven. It seems like he's only been in a few years. But Amon Ross St. Brown is an underrated receiver, kind of like Tyler Lockett, right? They got that in common. But um, he was balling out last year, 106 receptions, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. A kid out of USC uh, is getting it done. He wasn't helping for the game against the Seahawks last season, so we'll see what he will do this year. But this is a guy who's not extremely fast, but fast enough. But he's a true route runner and a receiver. I understand spacing. I'm as crafty at the top of his routes. We're going to have our hands full with him, one of the best in the league, uh, like I mentioned, underrated. 
Other guys, Josh Reynolds, like I said, seven years in the league. Doesn't really feel like that. He has stops in L.A. and Tennessee. In 14 games with Detroit last year, he had 38 receptions for 479 and three touchdowns. Last week, he had four receptions for 80 yards and one touchdown. Now, giving up 334 yards last week, this secondary is going to be on high alert. This is a good duo. It's better than Tutu Atwell and Puka Nakua, who just carved us up. So, um... We got to watch the secondary, and it sounds like we might get to see the number five pick, Devin Witherspoon. I'm not counting on this dude just to fix the secondary, right. but I just want to see what he can do because we, we haven't seen much of him so far. Yeah, it was great to see him back out of practice on Wednesday, so I, I'm looking forward to it. If he's out there, and I think you're right, we should temper our expectations a little bit. We shouldn't be expecting him to have six interceptions, and all of a sudden right. the Seahawks are only allowing 100 yards. But we know how talented he can be, so I'm, I'm definitely intrigued, and I think he's going to help this secondary, definitely. Flipping it back to the, the Lions secondary, and another matchup I want to look at is DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I don't got to say much. I'd be here all day if I read off their credentials and what they've done <laughs> in this league, so I know no one's got time for that. But last week, they only combined for five receptions, 57 yards, and one touchdown on nine targets. Those guys, I mean, obviously, you run 14 plays in the second half. It's hard to get your receivers involved. Um, I expect them to play a much bigger role, and we need them to. Quite frankly, I think they're they're too good. I think Shane Waldron's going to get back in his bag and find ways to get these guys the ball because when they go, our offense goes. It's kind of hard. Definitely last year when we struggled, right. it's when they had you know box scores that looked like that. So I'm looking for those guys that big game. They got to. I mean, he had uh, DK with a couple of big receptions. Even Tyler Lockett had a big reception on third down to start the game on that first drive. Um, DK with a touchdown and another reception. But there was just uh, no consistency. And it seemed like to get this pass game going, you know you got to get these two involved. So I'm with you. Gino, DK, Lockett, let's get her going. And uh, let's talk about and Aiden Hutchinson. Sorry, only almost called him Anthony Hutchinson for some reason. Anthony Aiden Richardson, Hutchinson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> versus the Seahawks offensive line. This young man was the second overall pick in the 2022 draft out of Michigan. He plays with a motor and an intensity that ideally you want from a guy that's rushing off the edge, right? Zero plays off. He's he's going, he's going, he's going. He doesn't stop. I appreciate that about him. Um, last year as a rookie, he had 52 tackles, nine tackles for loss, 15 quarterback hits, nine and a half sacks, and three interceptions. In the first game against the Chiefs, he was super active, four tackles and three quarterback hits. So um, we're looking at this offensive line and what has happened so far, right? We got Abe Lucas, who's going to be out. We got Charles Cross, who what, banged his toe or something like that, turf toe. Turf toe, yep. Um, turf toe. So there's going to be some movement on this line, and I wonder how it's going to affect the play of Aiden Hutchinson. Like, is he going to shine because of this, or will the Hawks come together and try to contain him? Because a player like him – it's hard to say you're just going to lock him down and shut him out. He's going to make yeah. plays, but it's the timing of the plays and the consistency of the plays. So with this new group, man, I'm, I'm excited for the challenge and I, and I hope they are too. Yeah. I mean, the second round picks or second overall picks don't grow on trees. And you talked right. about that motor and that that's something that scares you as an offensive lineman. You can't take a playoff with this guy because he can make that play. But, you know, given the way that the Seahawks are hurting up, up front, we're going to run that rock, I think. I think we're going to help run neutralize it. Aiden Hutchinson, hopefully by Ken Walker, running that rock, which brings me to ways the Seahawks can get this done, path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away, and that kick is good! The Seahawks win! It's good! It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. 
Shake it off, man. You got to shake off last week. It's a new week. The, you know, the pages turn on Wednesdays in this building after Tell the Truth Monday. It is over. Whatever happened against the Rams is done. And like I said, it shouldn't be a problem for Pete, Pete Carroll coach team. The Seahawks have the second best winning percentage in the NFL since 2012, following an in-season loss of the record of 42-19. and So they usually bounce back well. That's definitely ingrained into players in this program. So I'm, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think they're going to come out with more intensity and then they're going to come out with a sense of urgency. And I look for them to just look a lot better in all facets of the game. Here's my question. When I go to VMAC on Thursdays and the, the teams and they're meeting, they're getting hyped, they're playing music. You say shake it off. Are they going to play Taylor Swift shake it off? Or are they going to play Mariah Carey's shake it off? I, that's that's my question. What what song are they going to play to get these guys going in the morning? Because they be hyped up oh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Pete Carroll, I'm just I'm interested in the message. And I, I think you know that that has to be it, right? Get over that. That thing's over. And it's getting back to being the Seahawks that we saw last year in certain places, right? Better against yeah. the run. We got Gino. We need Gino to be Gino. And I think you're right. You got to be able to run that rock. We saw a little bit of what they can do running the football with K9 in the backfield. They're yep. sharpening in the backfield. DJ Dallas is getting some. That's the thing that was frustrating last week because you saw the potential of what they're trying to do. And then get DK, Tyler, and Jason involved. I think they're still, they still have the potential to be one of the best trios in the league. We got to see them do that. Oh, no question about it. And another thing is third downs. Got to be better on third downs. 11 for 17 defensively is not good enough. And then two for nine offensively is not good enough. And, you know, staying on defense, protecting the middle of the field, finding a way to, you know, make those adjustments. And then when someone starts to hurt us somewhere, to figure out a way from the guys on the field to, you know, stop that from happening. And I think they can. I think we're going to see much better, you know, not, I want efforts not the right word, but a much better performance from the defensive line because, you know, it's the first week they're all out there. They're all new guys playing different, you know, different positions or different spots, and they're all out there at once making line calls and different stuff like that. So I think we'll give them some time to adjust and be with each other with Bobby back and Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush and all the different matchups and people coming in, personnel groupings. I think they'll simplify it. I think they'll get after Jared Goff, and their Seahawks are definitely going to need to do that because teams that are 0-2 is not a great start in the league, and we don't want that, and I, I think these guys can get that done, man. Well, Bump. We're hopeful. I hope next time me and you are chatting, it's a Seahawks victory on a victory Monday because we need it. We need it. We need it. Uh, reminder, guys, you can catch us anywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Sirius XM, and more. And also don't forget, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, to rate us. We appreciate all the five-star ratings we've gotten. We want to keep that up. So give us a like. Hit us with five stars. We appreciate you for listening. We'll talk to you on Monday, hopefully talking about a Seahawks victory. He's Michael Bumbus. I'm Nasa Chobi. This has been Hawk Talk.